Hey everyone and welcome to the Nostalgia Effect, the podcast where we examine movies from our childhood through the lens of adulthood. This is a very interesting and special episode. We're all here, but we're all not. But we're also not here. It's virtual reality. It's the future. Well, while this is coming out in April, we are recording it at the height of the coronavirus mania. I mean... Was, At least we hope it's the height of the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right where everyone's like self quarantining, social distancing, you know, all of that fun stuff. So none of us are in the same room yeah, as we all, usually are. Yep, we're we're all looking at each other with. We're not looking at each other at all, actually. Actually, yeah, that's true. Well, no, I'm looking not. at you guys. Shut up. Oh, that's scary. Joe's in <laughs> Joe's in my apartment. It's even creepier than usual. <laughs> well, so. So yeah, this th- throws it's off our be, rhythm. It's great. It's gonna be a very interesting episode, a ep- couple episodes. This we don't might, know how long this is gonna last. Uh, this might not even make it, guys. Yeah, this <laughs> might be the new normal. <laughs> We're never gonna see each other no. ever again. Mm. <laughs> but instead of talking about the coronavirus and it shutting down Hollywood for probably the third episode in a row, I would say. I mean, yeah, we definitely talked about it a bunch now. Let's talk about something fun, something in the future, something. I think it's coming out this summer. I don't remember when exactly it's coming out, but mm. the new Pixar movie, which is this a first that they're releasing two movies in a year? No. Because they did no. Onward. Uh, yeah, but they, didn't they do Yeah, but then they do that year they had Inside Out and then they had the the Good Dinosaur or whatever. Wasn't that the Pixar? It's like a Pixar movie that was that Pixar? No. That Good, was Disney. Good Dinosaur was Disney? I don't know. No. It Pixar. is a Pixar yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a Pixar movie that nobody remembers. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it's a Pixar movie that nobody likes. No, I'd never seen it, but like I think that one came out the same year that Inside Out did. It, so it did, and it was, and it was. Not yeah, really not by accident, right? What happened? It was like more of a. Yeah, well, because they were making the movie, um, and then it was just not working, so they scrapped it and started over mm-hmm. again, basically, and then that, of course, pushed the time back, and so then it just happened. Pushing it back happened to coincide with um, opening up Inside with, Out, uh, yeah, in the same year as Inside Out, and you know it's funny because there's only two, um, or not only two, but it's. Let me think. Let me think. There's. I saw. I didn't see Cars two in theaters. I didn't see Good Dinosaur or Cars three. Those are the only Pixar films I've not mm-hmm. seen in theaters, and I only just saw Good Dinosaur for the mm. first time. Hmm. Um, like within the last couple months, really? actually. Um, I don't. I'm like Johnny. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen the Good Dinosaur. I've only seen like clips on like when people are talking about the Pixar theory. I've, that's like the only time I've ever oh, seen it, or maybe like a Cinema mm-hmm. Sense video. They did one on the Good Dinosaur. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's it's not a it's not a bad movie, but it's also not a good movie. It's, it's, it's not. It's not like it's fine. It's yeah, onward. Your Pixar. It's onward. It, I think Onward probably liked, is better than The Good Dinosaur, at least from what I've seen of The Good you've Dinosaur. You've never even seen it. I liked I liked Onward better than All The right, Good Dinosaur. I'll take I know, I'll from, take but from what I have seen of... <laughs> I don't know, Amy. <laughs> I See, I, have... liked, I liked uh, Onward better than Good Dinosaur, because at least Onward had some... Like it, it had a, it had a, dis, it had a specific point of view, whereas Good Dinosaur didn't feel like but it was did. about dinosaurs. I'm just saying, like, what could be more specific? Well, than yeah, dinosaurs? wasn't didn't the dinosaur, didn't the dinosaur make like the caveman boy his like pet or something? Well, so that's that's probably what you get from the trailer in the movie. 
Um, he's like, he's super fearful, this dinosaur, he's super fearful, uh, and then gets separated from his, or, or, and then he, he's super fearful. He, uh, the, his family is, they're like farmers and the, uh, the, this cave boy is stealing their crops. And so he chases after the cave boy and then he, and then he gets lost. His father comes to save him and then dies in a in a freak storm while he's trying to save him and so then when the good when the dinosaur sees the cave boy again he kind of like pursues him to like get revenge because it's like if if basically if you hadn't if i hadn't gone after you the first time to get a, get you to stop stealing our stuff then my dad wouldn't be dead um. and so then and so then he goes after him there's a crazy storm and he's stuck out in the wild lost and alone and it's just him and this cave boy and he's trying to get home and then they sort of s- sort of strike up this, this unlikely friendship this friendship like yeah like a lot of um, pixar movies yeah but it's just it's just missing something the thing is, is is it's i mean it's even well done and there's a lot of interesting stuff but um and the thing is is i remember i was at d23 when they were when they were like presenting their, it was like their panel presenting Good Dinosaur when it was still, um, when it was still uh, in mm-hmm. pre-production. And I remember sitting there like they were talking about all this. They, they were showing their sketches and talking about sort of how the the, the the world works and everything. And I just remembered sitting there and thinking, you don't have a story though. You know, they just had the world building. They didn't have yeah. a story. And then it was, and then and then all of a sudden the movie gets pushed back. So it was just one of those things. But um, but yeah, so I only just saw it recently. It's, it's funny because there are some Pixar movies, and this is this is how I'm going to gracefully connect it back to uh, our yeah. talking trailers <laughs> for Soul, is um, there are some Pixar movies where I see the trailer and I'm like, yep, I got to see mm-hmm. it. And then there are other ones where I'm like, eh. And I, I will say Good Dinosaur was definitely that. I, I would actually say Onward was that, whereas like I saw the trailer and I thought, this doesn't even feel like a Pixar yeah. movie. This kind of feels like, it kind of feels like a, like a, um, like Blue Sky, um, or is it, DreamWorks? Is it Blue Sky? Blue, well, so, so there's DreamWorks, but then there's the other ones. Um, they've done like The Grinch and Horton Hears a Who and. I don't think that's um, Blue Sky. Is it not Blue Sky? Um, Blue like the new Grinch point. Blue Sky Studios. It is. I'm pretty sure it's Blue Sky Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did Ice Age, uh, Rio, Ferdinand, Horton Hears a Who, Robots. Well, Joe, what um, I think you're thinking of is actually Illumination. It's a Universal animation. No, 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 no. And and Illumination, like it's, but but Blue Sky Studios also exists. And it, but it was well, yeah, Illumination kind of did like the Doctor those... Seuss Grinch, the new Grinch movie. Oh, and Horton. That's right. Yeah, and they, and did they do? And they they did. Um, like the minions yeah. and all that stuff too. Yeah. So anyway, but it felt like those studios, those animation studios that are not mm-hmm. Pixar. And um, and so I, I that's the, that was kind of the vibe I got from the trailer for Onward. Um, even though I ended up liking Onward a lot better than you two did. But Soul, on the other hand, feels like Pixar. And when I saw the teaser for it, I want to say it was maybe last year. It was four it was months like ago. Middle. It was, yeah, it was late last year. Was it four year. months ago? But I saw the trailer for that and I thought, oh, that looks fantastic. It looks, it, I it reminds see that. me of Inside Out. It looks a little too much like the Inside Out. The animation style yeah, it does. And, it, like, and the storyline. That's kind mm. of my only gripe is like, it's like a little bit too much like Inside Out. Whereas Inside Out is yeah. very good, like 
I love that movie. Everyone loves that movie. Very like original. It's it's like right. it had a total Pixar feel in the way that like when Toy Story first came out, that like that sort of deal where it was like, oh shit, like this is something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Soul, like I've only ever, I've only seen the teaser trailer, you know. Uh, but it, you know, it looks good. But it's very much I feel like it's the same as Inside Out, like a little bit too much, you know. Yeah, right, I think it might right, be the right, same. Right animators and probably the same writer because it's it does have it also has that feel like the same storyline feel where you're going inside and discovering something about that person inside of them but instead of being like a part of them it's actually them discovering this part of themselves or something i think yeah well these these sort of like i don't know they're they're ghost or soul representations of these people kind of feel like the sort of squishy semi-defined characters you know of the of the mm-hmm. emotions yeah in in inside out i will say and this is something that um that i was thinking about is uh uh you know the lead character who i who i believe is played by jamie fox is, correct is, is jamie fox and tina fey yeah and so you know this this lead character is a black guy and yet much like and so you know we'd think like hey all right diversity in a picture i don't think i that- don't know that we've had I'm just like, kidding. Sorry. No, I don't. No. I, don't I don't. I don't think he. Well, well, well actually, I have a problem with it, Joe, which I well, think you're going to speak to right now. Is that he's going to spend most of the movie not looking like a black guy? Yeah. yeah. Just like the yeah, princess just, and the, the frog. Problem with uh, princess and the frog. Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. I do think. And so that's kind of. A I do bummer. think with this new trailer that there. Well, I think the the whole crux of this film is going to be is the fact that Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx are stuck in Jamie Foxx's body and it's going to be like the two of them figuring out how to separate and it's not going to be maybe as much in this soul world or whatever. So that's going to be like the first maybe 30 minutes of the film and then the last hour is going to be them kind of going on this journey showing Tina Fey like what it's like to be human and then at the end she decides oh, I, I want to be human and I want to go, like, leave this soul world and I like humans now. That's kind of what I got huh. from that, that full trailer. Mm. Oh. Well, thanks for ruining it for me. Jesus, now I don't want to watch the movie anymore. <laughs> thanks a lot, Amy. This is, like, this is, this is my, my prediction for the film. Mm. Okay? I don't, I've not seen it yet. Mm. I won't see it until it comes out in theaters eventually june 19th maybe. i don't know we might all be dead by then <laughs> who knows yeah i'm telling you this this i i think i feel like some purple bald dude just snapped his fingers that's no, what it, it feels yes. like no it doesn't hey man i saw somebody crumble into uh. dust yesterday we were all very <laughs> surprised especially the person crumbling into dust ridiculous well, I don't know. I mean, that's just my thought. That's my hope for what happens in this movie. Whether or not that's true is remains to be seen. It's technically March right now. We have three months before this even comes out. So Mm. yeah. So a lot could happen. You're saying Uh, between then. A lot can happen. It could be pushed back to November, just like James. Look how much has already happened. you know, actually, so that's that's something that I'm wondering about is, you know, if these movie releases keep on pushing, we're going to get essentially like a traffic jam of, of like quality films and movies. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be pandemonium at the movie theaters. It's yeah. like, is all, are all of these like summer box office, like movies that are made for summer or that were like specifically like these are going to be our big summer temples? Are they going to stay there or are they going to be pushed back to fall winter and then have so we'll have like a very sparse spring 
box office and then like a very big fall which is usually the other way around like fall is usually or, very yeah, lacking I mean, well fall is also usually the award season yeah. movies you know which are big and important but not as not as widely yeah, they're, seen because they're, they don't get shown in a lot of box offices anyways like a lot of big theaters so they don't have a big box yeah. office draw so i well I wonder if it's just going to end up flipping and, uh, a script on it this year. Well, the, what, what I think will be might happen, and this will be this will be good news for Johnny and myself being born in August. But uh, maybe good movies will come out in August this year. <laughs> yeah, I get all the good movies because I'm born in May. Yeah. Uh, I get all those like yeah. we're getting ready for summer. And this year, this year the world got you house yes. arrest, which you know I'm totally okay with. I get to spend. <laughs> You've been training for this. It's like you were made for this in my apartment with my cat, like. I don't have to see anybody. Chipotle has free delivery till the end of the month, at least in March. I'm okay. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Amy being okay, uh, shall we uh, move along to uh, Matilda? Yes, because I am very excited to talk about this movie. This is one of my favorite movies from childhood. I say that often, but... You have a lot of favorite movies. But this time you're not I have lying. a lot of favorite movies, <laughs> but I think this one is a little bit more, I don't know more favorite because Roald Dahl was one of my favorite authors as a kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've read almost every single one of his books. I think there's like two I do. or three that I have not read, which I think is James and the Giant Peach and Fantastic Mr. Fox are the two off the top of my head that I have not read of his. You never read James and the Giant Peach? No, I only watched the movie. Interesting. Watched the movie, which we'll talk about spoilers in our next episode. We're having a Roald Dahl double feature, yeah, which is nice. I didn't, I didn't notice, I didn't think about that until you guys, because I, I always forget that Matilda is a Roald Dahl book. Because mm-hmm. um, mm. honestly, mm-hmm. like, I don't really have much of a like. I remember James and the Giant Peach a lot. I love Roald Dahl. I love, uh, you know, Char- uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh God! Uh, the BFG. Oh yeah, um, I was obsessed with the fuck. BFG. So many, so many, yeah. so many good books. He he had so many good books. Um, and I I, I, to- I always forget that Matilda. Like I don't have a lot of really like impressionable memories of Matilda. Like I remember watching it and it being fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, enjoying it. Um, but I always forget that that's also a Raw Doll book. And so so when we were you know we talking about this, I was like, oh shit. That's right. It is a Roald Dahl double feature. Yeah. I think it was only while well, I, I think it was, I hadn't realized that we were, we were doing a Roald Dahl double until, uh, I think half until, I think I don't, I, until long after, <laughs> basically. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, and I, I love Roald Dahl. Yeah. I feel like um, most, and... most any impressionable kid in like elementary and middle school eh. loved Roald Dahl around our age because th- yeah. just like the drawings in that book are like the illustrations are very iconic. Yeah. I, I like, do think it's actually, it's more so kids that like to read and people that like to read like Roald Dahl books. I feel yeah. like as children, I, you know, like I as was... children, like those books were like easy to read and they were fun to read. And I think that's why, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's why they're so popular um, but i do think it is a generational uh, thing because i loved them but both my sisters did not really care or try to read Roald doll even my middle sister who reads a lot she read a lot more than i did when growing up mm-hmm. because but she she did not care about Roald doll and she's four years younger than me well see it's funny because i was gonna say you know johnny you said that it's for like books for people for kids yeah. who like to read and i was just gonna say that i i feel like Roald doll was kind of like the first inkling that i had that reading books 
could be like this that yeah. could be fun mm-hmm. could be interesting could be entertaining mm-hmm. versus a lot of the other books that you are required to read yeah. for school same um yeah there yeah and so yeah i i um i think that yeah and and so it's but and so maybe it's just i don't know amy if your sister um maybe it just doesn't especially care for like some people just aren't he's trying to maybe, call your sister you know. stupid and he's being real nice about it but i'm not my I'm sister say, my sister who's smarter than i am yeah is stupid. <laughs> maybe your sister the doctor is actually pretty dumb have you ever thought about that didn't think honestly so. i thought about it every day wow up until a certain point <laughs> when i was younger <laughs> you were like i don't know if this doctor thing no this a good was before she you. was like this was like back when she was like still a little kid i was like you're not you're not that smart what a what a but bitch. Come at me. But, but you know but maybe also she's just like not a reader you know well she she is like a she read some books that i would probably never read like she would read at least like three to four books every month and i would read like maybe one or just reread harry potter again yeah or lord of the rings well, you know, it's funny, actually, uh, that you should bring up Harry Potter specifically, because I was thinking J.K. Rowling kind of tapped into a Roald Dahl vibe for her stuff. Because the, the thing about his his books were always, you know, about children who were uh, lost or mm-hmm. alone, orphaned, uh, or, or just terribly mistreated. And then something wonderful would happen to them to sort of to, to, to pull them out of that situation. Yeah, I think that might be why and, I loved Harry Potter so much later down the road. When it came out, yeah, it was because I had this connection with Roald Dahl mm-hmm. growing up as mm-hmm. well, and so I, I, you know, because I, I mean, I mean, like the cup, the 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 cupboard under the stairs is is so much a Roald Dahl f- feeling, sort of, you know, it feels like a Roald Dahl invention, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, um, I thought that was kind of. You know, it's uh, sort of in. I hadn't really connected the two, and also I remember like Roald Dahl books also being, you know, like it's kind of scary, kind of yes. dark. You know that there would be these these kids are kind of victims of a much bigger world, which I think we all sort of feel when we're younger. But we also, I mean, I think we all feel kind of throughout our entire lives. You know, the, the bigness of the world is sometimes too much to mm-hmm. to take. Yeah, I think. Um, and I feel. I feel like his books kind of tap yes, into that. I very much agree. What, um, so what are your guys's kind of connections with the movie Matilda or the book, either one, but mostly the movie, since that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a book report podcast. I mean, we could make it a book report podcast, but I haven't Jesus read Matilda Christ. since I was in elementary. <laughs> we made it. I mean, oh God. No. Let's not do uh, Johnny, do you, what was what was your what are your memories? Um, don't really. Like I said, like I remember watching it as a kid. Um, this came out what ninety seven, ninety six, ninety six. Okay, so yeah, I remember it being a very popular film at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really have a lot of strong memories. Um, let's see here. I have what I recall mostly is Danny DeVito, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like up until that point, I don't think I like. I just knew Danny DeVito as like a person because he had been in a lot of stuff, you know. So I was like, "Oh, hey, it's Danny DeVito." Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah. this is also the I first remember, thing I remember Danny DeVito from too. Maybe hmm. um, I remember the girl has powers, and there's a chocolate cake, and it was very gross. And I remember that I hated the parents in the movie, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Which I mean, that's a standard Roald doll book movie kind of thing. Yep. Yes. Oh like, uh, yeah. Like what Joe was saying, it's a situation of having children 
in especially especially terrible like situations and having adults that are just the worst versions of adults that you can have you know what i'm saying especially yeah. like through a kid's eyes yeah that kind of goes back to what joe was talking about yeah. earlier with like yeah these kids are just in shit situations yeah um amy how about you what do you remember of this film? um i actually had this pl- i th- whenever this is on tv it's usually playing in the background for me i don't necessarily pay attention to it i have like I haven't paid attention to it like very closely in a while. If it's on TV, it's on my TV playing. Mm-hmm. But I watched this a lot growing up. I had it. I think I still have it on VHS somewhere in my apartment. <laughs> but yeah, I like I love this movie. I know I, I know it so well. Yeah. And it gives me this like very cozy nostalgic feeling whenever I hear the music from when she's like just learning how to use her powers or like <clears throat> excuse me, figuring her powers out. Like that song is just like childhood yeah yeah that's pretty 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 little yeah. thing or pretty little yeah. one yeah the cheerio scene that's i always remember the cheerio mm-hmm. scene yeah um it's funny because for me i i remember seeing this in theater mm-hmm. uh, in theaters I, I i i think i saw it in theaters with my grandma because she loved going in the movies and it's an august movie too you would have been at your grandma's house exactly yeah and um i i and i loved the book i remembered the book uh loved the movie had the movie on VHS when it came out um and then but then hadn't thought about it in forever and and it's funny because I I knew Danny DeVito from Taxi Mm -hmm. you know he was Louis De Palma and I knew him from uh Batman Returns as the Penguin Mm -hmm. and what else did I know him from oh Twins um I knew him from Twins and um you know, so there was, there was, so I was really, really familiar with Rhea, uh, with Danny DeVito, and I knew Rhea Perlman from Cheers. I knew that they were f- married in real life um, uh, when they when they made this movie, and then you know, Mara Wilson was kind of the the big thing after Mrs. Doubtfire, right? You know, so like I I, I kind of went into this movie with with a lot of uh, I think a lot more context. I was also older, yeah. You know, I was eleven. Um, and um, yeah, I don't think I watched this movie for the first time until I was 11. Mm, mm-hmm. So it was like maybe like five or six years after it had come wow. out. Wow. Wow. That's uh, like, I mean, I probably like because I probably did not. Well, maybe my grandma had the VHS and I watched it there, but I don't quite like remember it as clearly as like you probably did because mm-hmm. it was like I was six or seven. Like I was just forming memories. Right. Right. But I remember it more from like getting into like into t- my tins and stuff like maybe eight was probably when i watched it mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. but yeah so like i went into this movie really excited and uh and already loving it um yeah so i'm i'm excited to see it again actually because it's because it is not a movie i've thought about in a long time and there's yeah same i, I don't think of it i can't think of any reason why that would be the case yeah i i'm, I'm excited to actually like pay attention and watch things more closely than what i have in probably years and the thing is 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 i actually have i have a good feeling about this one because danny devito is a really good director he did throw mama from the train and death to smoochie i actually watched that for the first time i actually watched death to smoochie for when we did our robin williams episode oh yeah Mm -hmm. and then i watched throw mama from the train a couple weeks ago when i was just really bored and it was free on youtube I was like, Danny DeVito directed this, and I'm big. I like Billy Crystal. I like Danny DeVito. Let's just watch it. And we had talked about it a little bit when we did mm-hmm. Goonies. I know because you had talked about um, Mama. Yep. In both mm-hmm. Goonies and Throw mm-hmm. Mama from the Train, and I was like, 
she got nominated for an Oscar for this role, and I kind of wanted to see a little bit more, oh, a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Ready to watch this thing? I'm ready. I am so ready. Before we watch the movie, a quick word from our sponsors. And now, our feature presentation. And we're back. So, you guys, what did you think? I love it. Yeah. Uh, this movie was so it was like a breath of fresh mm-hmm. air i i think i have a note that says this is a perfect adaptation of what a roll doll book feels like it's exactly what i picture when i was reading it yeah well i was gonna say that i think that this movie doesn't did a nice job of it's it sort of updates it it changes the location you know roll doll was uniquely mm-hmm. english i think um and his stories have 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 that and um you know like the the i think the opening line is you know matilda's or Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood were lived in a perfectly normal village, perfectly normal town, no, in a perfectly no, normal no. house, but they were no, not no. perfectly nice people. No, that's Harry Potter, Joe. No. That's the opening line. No, but it's... No. But that's... I'm pretty sure that's how it starts. No. It's they lived in a very nice neighborhood, in a very nice... Nice house, but they weren't very house, nice people. Uh, but they were not, they were not yeah, very nice people. You were, yeah, you, were, you, it, were up, or you were mixing together this and the opening lines of the first Harry Potter book. Which is so easy is. to do. Um, but, but, that, but that just feels like English, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's kind of funny yeah. to hear... Also, uh, the last Danny name... New Jersey accent. Worm- Wormwood. Or what, yeah, that's such a British last name for some reason. All I could picture yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so so there's, you know, so, so it, it already has sort of like an English feel, but they've obviously switched it to America, but it's still the the um, the essence of the story is so very much so intact. Yeah. And I, I thought it was exceptionally well adapted. Oh, it's, I just, there's nothing bad I can feel like I can say about this, except for just some like, kind of just stupid little nitpicky things like how big that baby is for just being taken out of for just being born it's like it's a (laughs) huge baby that's like a month old baby or more i don't know i don't know how to tell the age of a child (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess so i never i i I never can tell with kids um but it it did look like a pretty um, big baby it's a big baby some hey sometimes they come out yeah i guess so i mean yeah they grow them big in the Midwest, all right? You should know, Amy. Were they were were they in the Midwest? I feel like it was like kind of a I have no idea. I don't know where the hell is it. Yeah, like I mean with with It felt like a place Rhea that Perlman didn't exist, and, really. Yeah. It's like a locationless kind of thing, but with like Danny DeVito's which, accent. Which I think works for Yeah, this. it doesn't necessarily need to be somewhere. Yeah. There are bits of it that still feel like uniquely um I mean, they feel very much so like uh that this is British source material. Uh, I just mm-hmm. I especially noticed just the fact that, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, trunk, trunk, I, I, Trunchbull, the, 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 Trunchbull, that's what it is. I was like, what's, uh, Trunchbull, like she's the head mitch, mistress, right? Like, uh, yeah, not, yeah. not principal. Yeah. It's head mistress. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a, but I could also see, cause you know, she's English. So I could also see her insisting on being called head mistress yeah. in a place where they only say principal. Yeah. Right. And like, even, even calling a school Truncham Hall. Or Crunchum Hall, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like it's, like it, we don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some places back east that have some of that heritage and would still call a 
place. Yeah, it did like feel that. kind of a little bit maybe New Englandy, especially with like the style of the house and stuff. Yeah, but it but it's also so you know we were saying it's locationless, but it's also a little like timeless in terms of you know the the cars, like the makes of the cars are kind of older and all over a pla- all mm-hmm. over the place. The style of the wardrobe is kind of sort of and like the house the decoration of the house is kind of 70s like so does this yeah. happen in the 70s but then they but, also have like the tv you know, and then the fbi guys have like a vhs camcorder cam camcorder yeah and so i so it kind of in that way it felt a little bit um and it's funny because actually i felt uh like tim burton fingerprints yes. all over this even though he had nothing to do with it um the director of photography i think his name is steven chapinski or chapsky or something like that um he shot a ton of uh tim burton stuff uh, batman returns and edward scissorhands and ed wood and um and so it kind of had it, it did have this sort of this this flavor of it could be happening not in our time in its own time but in a time we all recognize yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I thought that was really cool and, and sort of, I think works to make the film feel, um, sort of timeless. Like, I don't think that the movie ages poorly because we already don't know what Mm -hmm. time period it's in. Yeah. Like it could, it could be set now even, and they just have old equipment or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's funny too, um, uh, the, the two FBI agents you probably recognized, one of them is Paul Rubens. Yes, and it um, always it I I always forget somehow that Paul Rubens is the FBI agent and I look up on the TV screen and he's there. Yeah. I'm just like, "Oh, that's right. Pee-wee Herman is an FBI it did, agent." It did throw me off. Yeah, it definitely. I was like, "Oh shit, it's Pee-wee Herman." <laughs> yeah. I I, for, I totally forgot. Another one that I forgot, John Lovitz as oh, a I TV know. game oh, show yeah. host. Yeah, it just cameo. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit." Uh, uh, what's funny is the the other fbi guy is bob the goon from the first batman it's a deep cut joe i know that is a that is a joke it's the deepest of cuts yeah no it's more than just a flesh wound folks (laughs) oh i do have a note on here it kind of goes back to the like timeless kind of thing Mm -hmm. there were some like age like question things i had in here it's like She's supposed to be six when she's in school, right? So it's like yes. first first grade. Yeah. And they were talking about doing times tables. Six and a half, okay. Okay, <laughs> six and a half, almost seven. She's in like the first or second grade. And they're talking about doing times tables. And I don't remember learning times tables until like maybe third grade. And then she's doing algebra work, which she says is sixth grade work. And I'm like, I didn't do that until eighth grade or high school. Hmm. Maybe you went to a dumb school, Amy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I if I had tested in like the sixth grade or the seventh grade, I don't remember exactly what age it was to be able to do either pre-algebra or algebra or whatever. I think it was in the sixth grade you took a test, and then in seventh grade you would do pre-algebra, and eighth grade you would do algebra, or you would do seventh grade math in the seventh grade, and then pre-algebra in the eighth grade. And I tested. What did into, you do in the ninth grade? And then I well see. What about eleventh grade? Okay. How many grades <laughs> did you get through? See, so it's like if you took the test, I was put in the seventh grade because I'm not good at math. What so about did, pre-calculus? That I did not. That's in high school. That has nothing to do with Matilda. Are you sure? Yes, because she was doing okay. algebra as sixth grade work in the first grade, and that makes zero But you sense. were doing algebra as third grade work in the 10th grade while you were taking a test for pre-algebra. Correct. I am very confused Sorry, right you got now. me mixed up. 
Well, you confused me. You were talking about grades and algebra and then pre-calculus and then I don't know. I, you were the one. You were the one that started talking about pre-calculus. <laughs> well, Johnny <laughs> loves math so much. Anyway, she's very smart, Amy. Okay, and you're not. So well, it was deal just confusing. It, <laughs> it was confusing to me where they start. Like, why would she be doing multiplication in the first grade with all of these? Why kids? would she be moving things with her mind? I mean, she blew up a television set. All right, but. Just saying. They they have their ages of when they should be doing math all wrong, and I don't like it. <laughs> and that's the and that's what gives it a thumbs down. This movie does not hold up. All right? <laughs> that is that is my nitpicky thing about this movie is well, the math the <laughs> math is algebra. all off. So you know what's what's funny is is when when Miss Honey was was running them through their times tables. I think Sarah even said, "Wait a minute, times tables." Yeah. And um. And I get the sense from Miss Honey that she's probably one of those teachers that kind Cares. of is because, you know, I, I, I don't know if you ever had this, but there were some teachers where it felt like, yes, you are pushing us further than the curriculum says we have to. And you're because because you've made sure that we're, you know, doing so well as it is. You know, like we've basically like we're we've made up everything that we needed to learn, and now we're moving past that because you're a good teacher and have have got us there. You know, and so I kind of had the sense that Miss Honey was was sort of putting more on the kids because she knew that they were smart enough. Yeah, I guess I I never had that kind of teacher in any of my classes. So oh. I went to public school, so you know. Like I even went to private school and public school. And I never had a teacher like that. I had well, really... whoop dee doo. Sorry. <laughs> Look at I, Job with all of his nice and great teachers. I, I did have some really wonderful teachers. Um, and then I had some teachers Whatever. that were not so great. But, you know, you always only remember the good ones, really. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I had teachers I felt like believed in us as a class. And, and because of that, we went further, you know, and learned more. Explains a lot. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's too smart for his own good. <laughs> well, that's that. I won't disagree with it. It's caused me nothing but wow, pain. Wow, Joe, way to be modest. You know, I think Amy, you've probably you probably already caught this, um, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the brilliantly talented Pam Ferris who played the Trunchbull yes. here. Yes, and was Aunt yes. Marge in Harry Potter three. I forgot about that until I was looking at the fun facts, and I was like. <gasps> I looked at her picture on IMDb and I was like, "Wait, that's Marge." I complete like I completely forgot about it because she looks so different in that fat suit and the wig and the makeup in uh, Azkaban that it's just like it's a totally different person. But she's so insanely I, talented that you I can't. I didn't know it until right now that that was her. Well, so, um, surprise! So look at that. You learn something new every day. That was pretty. I didn't. I didn't know that, but it makes sense now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and what's cool about that? Because it's funny when I when I was reading Harry Potter. I think even though I had seen Harry Potter three by the time I was reading Harry Potter five, I was imagining Pam Ferris as Umbridge. Interesting. Really? Yeah. And so I was kind of like, man, they wasted her on Aunt Marge. <laughs> She would have been so good as Umbridge. I don't know. I really love Imelda Staunton as Umbridge, though. She's no Imelda Staunton is great, and she's so like so angrily. She's perfect. Yeah, she's just well, like yeah. she's yeah. like choker. super she's like. like she's just whereas so, like, like perfectly ang like sweet but sour. Yeah, I did notice going back to Paul Rubens 
like when they're sneaking into the garage and he's mm-hmm. like asking the other FBI agent like he like the other guy wants to work the camera yeah and I was like god every question that Paul Rubens is asking him is like Joe I feel like I'm watching Joe <laughs> <laughs> I, it was so weird i actually i felt that way too i'm not gonna lie when he's like you, he do you understand like the white balance do you understand the focal length and i was like oh my god that, yes joe that is what you sound that's like. how you sound like to other people <laughs> you piece of shit <laughs> hey man I, I said those things i did those things i accept it ridiculous uh what are some of your guys's favorite scenes that you maybe forgot about or scenes that you remember and they felt differently or you just still love them as much as you did when you remembered them. Um, I have to say, uh, I mean, I love the whole film. I thought it mm-hmm. was really good. But uh, the scene, that, that entire segment when they're sneaking around in the Trunchbull's house trying to mm-hmm. evade her, it, was, I was, mm-hmm. it's, it is so tense. Oh, yeah. Um, and I all I could think of was... The whole time was oh this is like the this is like the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park and there's even that scene where they're outside and she puts her face up against the glass and like breathes and there's all that like that big jet of steam you know that, that yeah like, and I was just like oh it's just like Jurassic Park well if you I think in the fun facts that was I think that's what they were trying to do oh yeah I I mean the 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 what, can I can I say it this has Jurassic Park energy. I mean, I you're not wrong. So that's I mean, so the whole movie I thought was wonderful, and everybody's so good in it. But but specifically that scene jumps out as is is exceptionally well done. Yeah, literally, it's when Matilda's stealing the doll back, and she's heading outside the window. Miss Trunchbull puts her face up to the window and steams it up with her nose. This is a nod to the Velociraptor hunting the children in Jurassic Park, which came out three years prior. Hell yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> nice. it's, it's so good so good and it's and 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 oh man when when the when the trench pole is like you know she she whips off the the uh table cover in the kitchen and looks for her and she doesn't see her and then you see her like pressed up underneath the table yeah um and when we were watching it sarah was like oh my god you need a lot of core work to be able to yeah. do that or she's <laughs> holding herself up with her mind but she just doesn't realize that she can do it yet right yeah like a little bit of help um mm-hmm. but god yeah i i that's such a good scene um the scene also, that always uh, the uh, scene that was always stands out to me is when matilda like sneaks into harry and zinnia's bedroom and like puts the bleach into his hair oil and oh, then yeah. later she puts the paste in his hat yeah i always remember that and then the scene in the restaurant afterwards when zinnia's trying to pull his hat off and mm-hmm. it goes flying and mm-hmm. then she like makes the dessert land perfectly in front of her and then the cake splatters all over her brother yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Which, like, by like the way, ex- oh, sorry, keep going, Joe. What I was gonna say is just like ex- it explodes when it lands. It explodes in his face. Oh yeah, and I was trying through the entire movie. I was trying to um, like the kid, the brother reminded me of someone. And after we were talking about the Velociraptor thing, it, it hit me. He reminds me of that annoying kid at the beginning of Jurassic Park with the Velociraptor claw. Oh yeah, that's yeah. not so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, he looks like somebody familiar. And I tried looking him up and he was like, he's done nothing. And I was like, wait a second. He's just a carbon copy of this kid from Jurassic Park. (laughs) I will say. I think you just. uh, So what you're saying is that all fat children actors look the same. He's not that fat. He's fattest. He's pretty fat. He's fattest. You know, all, you know, Amy, you brought it, you brought it up, but all that stuff with like the bleach in the hair and the, Mm -hmm. the hat glued on and everything. 
um, you know, as I was watching it, I was like, is this straying too close into the, um, you know, slapstick children's movie, let's do kooky things to the bad adults and I, and I was thinking this movie stays just on the other side of that yeah because I never felt or thought about that it never really entered my brain that this could be slapsticky it just felt right yeah but I think because I think it's it has, pulling from the source material I think it also has to do with um just Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman just both being absolute shit parents where you're just like yeah you're like they're like so terrible and the adults in general like are except for the exception of like you know miss honey or whatever uh they're so terrible that you're actively wanting them to it's it's catharsis the same way that it's catharsis for matilda you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying oh yeah totally so you're kind of like in the same boat with her which i feel like other like movies like when we talk about like kids movies it's always like uh, these adults they're just dumb you know what i'm saying whereas like these adults are like cruel yeah like if this wasn't a kids movie this would be terrifying i mean the 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 principal the first introduction that we get to the principal she grabs a little girl by her pigtails and literally flings her over a fence yeah Yeah. like what the fuck yeah yeah and like even in the scene where she's talking to harry and they're both like silhouetted when she's buying the car and she's like towering over him you you still get that power dynamic between the two of them Mm -hmm. and we'll get to this a little bit when i get to some recastings on for um harry's character that I feel like probably would not have worked in that that exact scene if it hadn't been Danny DeVito playing the father. Maybe I do uh, another note just off topic, but I do I didn't remember, and I do find it weird that Danny DeVito is also the narrator oh, in yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Sarah was not weirded out, but also was like given. Yeah, which is yeah. Well, because I'm like that seems like a, such a like last minute choice. Like I don't know. I don't feel like especially because he's so strong as the as the father uh, character and he's like so like despicable and like all this shit like to have his voice kind of pop up it's softer like you can you know it's he's not putting on the same accent yeah uh, but it's still like it threw me off for sure and I was like wait a minute what yeah I don't, I don't know. think it seems that strange I, you know yeah, I don't Just think that strange. that ever bothered me. But I can see where it's weird. I think it's just like something that I've accepted is a thing in this movie. Yeah. Because I'm like, I've watched it so many times and it's like hearing Danny DeVito's voice talking about this story makes complete sense. And I kind of disassociated him from being the father. It's like two different people. Yeah. It's a tale of two DeVitos is what you're saying? (laughs) Yes. It's twins, but without Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because it was something that, that Sarah brought up and and I've I've been puzzling over it trying to think of uh like a a way like a story way that that makes sense mm-hmm. you know and I and I and I have nothing I have no I have no explanation for, yeah. for why that should be there's like other movies like in Charlie and the, the the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory it's not a great movie by nope. any means no nope. but having um, I forget the character's name who plays the Oompa Loompa, but having oh, him Deep be Roy. the narrator, yes, or, have yeah, Deep Roy's group. I think that's right. Having him be the narrator makes sense in the story because he's the narrator throughout that film, and mm. then you see him at the end when you like when they have um, the buckets house sitting in the middle of the like candy land oh, or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. camera pulls out and he's sitting there sitting on a rock while. 
there's like powdered sugar being sprinkled over the house like snow <laughs> and like that makes story sense mm -hmm. but this one it's like you don't see that it's danny devito it's just some kind of like disembodied voice yeah. telling this story yeah which, which i mean which is why i'm like which is the weirdness to me because i feel like if that was the case it would just be a regular person maybe they ran out of money <laughs> they just couldn't hire a voiceover guy and yeah, maybe it was like DeVito was like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Save some money. <laughs> I mean, there's like recasting, so like for the director, but also for the character of Harry. So maybe when they picked Danny DeVito as the director, he was always going to do the voiceover. And then when they decided they didn't want any of these other actors to play Harry, they thought, well, let's just have Danny DeVito do it and he'll be both. Hmm. And they just never changed it. Economical. I'll say. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever see the movie... Um... Leon, the professional with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. So, Amy, it's a great movie, and I highly recommend it. I know. It's, it. on, it's on my list to watch because... It's Gary Oldman, man. Yes, it's Gary Oldman in and it. And Natalie Another... Portman's first film, film role. Another yeah. Harry Potter reference. Um, but I was going to say, um, her parents actually reminded me a lot of Natalie uh, Portman's parents in uh, Leon, the professional. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. they, they like the, in terms of their look, in terms of their priorities, um, yeah. how they treat her. You know, she's she's really pretty well neglected in that movie, um, and to you know, and they, they kind of even like the same sort of trashy style that yeah. they dress in. Like it, it, it all feels uh, very very similar. May, yeah, except that's like uh, in, in Leon the Professional, it's a way darker tone. Even though this movie is way darker than I remember it being. Oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. but it's but the I mean it's not. It's not dark in terms of tone because the tone is actually very like lighthearted and whimsical. Yeah, it's dark if you look between the lines of like what's actually happening. Oh, like, it's certainly. Su the oh, subtext yeah. of it is just like, oh shit! Like if this wasn't like a whimsical child film, like this is some pretty fucked up shit. Like the Chokey is her own improvised oh, yeah. Iron Maiden. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, and and then like you were saying with like the throwing the girl over the fence by her pigtails or, or forcing the boy to eat that giant yeah. chocolate cake. And then and then after smashing the glass plate over his head. Yeah. Because because yeah. when everyone's when everyone's like cheering, they're like, yeah, he's all excited, and she just like smashes it over his head. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, no, it is, and it's and it's brutal. And I think the thing is, because I was thinking about that too, watching it, and I ultimately I think the reason why the movie doesn't end up feeling like a like a like a horror show almost is because sort of there's no consequences to it. You know, the little girl after she gets thrown over the fence, she just has the the, the yeah, handful the of, flowers of flowers, and she's yeah. okay. You know, yeah. and so I kind of feel like that's where the movie sort of. It's it's dark enough that you realize, oh, this trench pole is awful. But uh, the you know the, the the little girl lives. She's okay, <laughs> and she's so cute. You know, like her mom put her in in braids. You know, <laughs> um, Amy, you said you got some fun facts. I have some fun facts. I have some recastings. Um, I have a kind of a recasting for the last episode we did, which technically goes back to the first movie in that series. So the last movie we talked about was um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. And Danny DeVito was considered for the role of Sala in Raiders, but Whoa. could not do it due to his TV commitments, which I'm assuming is Taxi. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I can't movie? imagine him in that yeah. movie. Yeah. I feel like it would have been totally different without John Rhys Davies. Well, because he probably would have been Danny DeVito as Sala to Tom Selleck's Indiana Smith. Yeah. 
that it probably would have been like that totally different movie totally different movie it would have been like magnum pi yeah it would have been a better movie you shut your mouth i want to see that just as much as i want to see nick cage's superman yes out of curiosity i would like to see both of those yeah. You gotta go to the balsam verse for that. That's an inside <laughs> joke. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, the picture of Miss Honey's father, Magnus, is actually a portrait of Roe Dahl. Mm, nice. Um, and then I, I of course, have um, that Pam Ferris played Trunchbull, um, but she's also Aunt Marge. And then in the making segment, making it in, wow, in the making of segment on the DVD, Danny DeVito reveals that the chalk... Um, to write by itself, they wrote the letters backwards on the opposite side of the chalkboard and then put a magnet in the chalk that had someone stand behind the chalkboard and write the words backwards with the device attached to the magnets. Huh. See, that's actually, that's actually something else that I really liked about this film was um, I'm pretty sure like all the poker chips and the cards were probably CG or something, but mm-hmm. all of the rest of the, uh, the effects in this movie uh, work because they weren't trying to do something that they weren't capable of yet yeah everything felt very practical yeah in a good way i think the the carrot when she, the her brother throws the carrot at her and then she spins it around and shoots it back at him yeah i feel like that some of that had to be cg but like i mean some of the poker chip stuff could have been practical maybe but it felt it felt good like it, it worked it didn't it, it worked just, oh, yeah it, it worked didn't call well. itself out as like ooh, look at that rough example of early cg yeah so I have um, a couple recastings. So the director, we have two people that we, I feel like we, I think we've talked about on this podcast, one of them multiple times, Robert Zemeckis and Richard Donner. Uh, God damn it, Ian Dick Donner. Why? <laughs> Why are we talking about Richard Donner in every goddamn episode? It's a, it's a running joke. It's a drinking game. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's Man, like, no matter what we do. drunk by now. We just can't <laughs> escape them. Like, Jesus Christ. So, um, here's a really good one. The role of one of the FBI agents was originally tended, intended as a cameo for Arnold Schwarzenegger after Twins. Nice. <laughs> that would have been is, great. Is that why, you know, that was actually something that I, I thought was especially funny is when, when the, the two FBI agents are, are, like, hanging out in their house with Rhea Perlman. And he's like... And he says something about like bodybuilders. He calls them. He's like, you know, you know, here I am at work, and you're hanging out with bodybuilders or something like yeah. that. And he's like, mm-hmm. they both clearly are not, which is what I thought was hilarious. But yeah. It, actually, so that joke would have made more sense had Arnold Schwarzenegger been one of the two guys. But I that feel like it's, been good. it's still pretty great. It's, I think it's it's even funnier the fact that they're definitely not bodybuilders. Oh, certainly. I'm almost especially Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I'm almost glad that that Schwarzenegger's not in it because I feel like he's such a big star that that kind of would have monstered the role of like, you'd be sitting there watching this film and be like, Oh my God, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And like, I think having, you'd be waiting for stuff to blow up if Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, stuff does blow up, but not like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Trunchbull, Maggie Kirkpatrick was considered for the role, but she could not work in the United States. She wasn't authorized to work in the U S. Uh, Zinnia and Harry Wormwood. Bette Midler and Catherine O'Hara were considered for the roles. Oh. While Bob Hoskins, Tim Allen, Joe Pesci, John Goodman, De Niro, Bill Murray were considered for the roles of Harry Wormwood. Also, Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfuss. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Some heavy hitters there. Yeah. And, and they all go back to, I think, the only person who probably, I think, out of this list, that scene that I was talking about where Harry and um, Trunchbull are talking in, like, silhouette 
Joe Pesci probably would have been the only one that would have made that power dynamic between the two of them work. Well, he's also so slimy. Like, Pesci can play slimy so yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Chevy Chase, I think, could have been slimy, but, like, he's more... He's but he's more, not he's menacing. Different. Yeah. yeah, he's not menacing, where it's like... Or at least not menacing, but, like, what's the word? I mean, he's, like, a dick, but, like, not cruel you yeah know? yeah he's yeah. more Whereas, of like, like the used car salesman well i guess well no because is, is technically what he used is. Car salesman. it's like it's like a different version of that like yeah. i don't know how to explain it he just he still feels like a used car salesman but not in the same way that danny devito makes harry warm wormwood yeah yeah because like i don't believe like i believe that that danny devito's harry wormwood was like is like a like a child abuser like actually beats her you yeah know? i think it's that jersey accent he puts on maybe well it's his that's his real accent that's his yeah like i mean i mean giving that jersey accent that like chevy chase wouldn't have done because we all like... know that people from jersey beat their children <laughs> i think it's the jersey shore i watch too much of that makes me just like Jersey people are crazy, <laughs> <laughs> even though that's a very broad generalization. Yes, it is. Um, and then I have recastings for Miss Honey and Matilda as well. Mm -hmm. So for Miss Honey, Mariska Hargitay, Helen Hunt, and Tori Amos were considered. Hmm. Rosie O'Donnell was considered, but declined due to conflicts with Harry the Spy. Oh. Winona Ryder was considered after Danny DeVito worked with her on Reality Bites, but she turned it down because she had scheduling conflicts with The Crucible. Mm. So hmm. that's all of that's everybody who would have played Miss Honey. I feel like um, Rosie O'Donnell, kind of weird. And yeah. like Winona Ryder, kind of weird. Yeah. I'm, Mariska I'm Hargitay, after watching, uh, what is it, SVU, Law SVU. and Order? Yeah. Um, it would have been very weird as well. Yeah, because she's not like warm and she's very cuddly serious. the way Miss Honey is. Yeah. She's very serious. And then originally, Danny DeVito wanted Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen as Matilda. Whoa. After, because his kids were big fans of Full House, and then Rhea Perlman also worked with them on To Grandmother's House We Go, but they were unavailable as they were busy working on It Takes Two, huh. which is apparent, if you have not seen It Takes Two, something I should, we should add to the list, it's kind of a parent trappy type movie. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> me, it, absolutely not. Hard pass. <laughs> um, we have to have something Mary-Kate and Ashley on here. Do we? Ooh. Yes. I watched a lot of Mary-Kate and Ashley growing up. Well, somebody should have told me that before I signed up for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, everything I got for fun facts and recasting. Did you guys um, spot, as the credits were rolling, that the, uh, the newt that gets put in the trench bowl's water... Um, mm -hmm. There were th was played by three newts named Mr. Speaker, Sir Isaac, and Wayne. Yes, that I noticed that, and I almost put it in here, but I was like, "Eh, nobody, not everybody watches all the credits." It's yeah. a Newt Gingrich joke, and then uh, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, um, that's that's too deep. It's no, that's <laughs> it's a deep <laughs> cut. It's, it's a, a very nineties <laughs> deep cut. Um, and then also um, the other thing that that I saw, and I think. Amy, you probably saw, was, um, so this movie was dedicated to Susie Wilson, who, mm -hmm. I, and I saw that at the end of the movie, and I, I didn't really think anything of it, and then, um, you know, when I was looking into it, apparently, uh, while Mara Wilson was doing this film, her mom was going through treatment for breast cancer. Yes, and she passed away during the filming. Yeah, she did, and, um, and despite, you know, the fact that 
Danny DeVito and Rhea Perman were like terrible parents to her in the movie. In real life, it was quite the reverse. And she, yes. apparently, Mara Wilson would like go over to their house and hang out, and they'd entertain her while mm. while her mom while her dad was at work and her mom was at treatments. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then I guess Mara Wilson also for 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 so long didn't think that her mother ever got to see the film. But Danny DeVito, I guess, had shown her a rough cut of it, which she only learned. Um, like years later that her mom oh, had actually wow. got to see that's some that's portion so of it. Yeah, isn't that oh. nice? I didn't that even know. Nice. I didn't know that. I knew the rest of that story, but I didn't know that like she didn't that think she her mom got, got to see it, it or yeah. got a rough, see the rough cut. That's really sweet. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's sort of amazing, you know, that, uh, you know, watching this to think about that that was happening to this poor little girl at the same time. Yeah. But yeah. she like she really was able to probably use that grief and funnel that into how she felt about her parents in the film and like yeah use, like that's probably how she had such a powerful performance as Matilda yeah I mean, she's I, very good in this movie she's very good for a child actor in this movie I mean, she's yeah because yeah. she she seems so genuine yeah it's like yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I I would say this this damn movie holds up. Oh yeah, so much. It's I would agree. Such think, a great film. I think I may have even liked it better now as a grown man than I did when I was. I little. also I also agree because like I said before, like I didn't have any really strong memories about it. I was like, eh, it's just a movie. But watching mm-hmm. it again, I'm like, oh damn, like this is really good. Like I, it's got a lot more going on than I thought it did when I first. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just, you know, I don't know. It's very good. Yeah, because you get all those levels. Yeah. 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 That's why it's a family movie, not a kid's movie. I would agree with that that. statement. Yeah, that's very good. Well, that is Matilda. Let us know what you guys think on Instagram or Twitter at Nostalgitis, N-O-S-T-A-L-G-I-T-I-S, or you can email us at NostalgiaEffectPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to be kind and rewind. Yay. Boom. Stay safe, everybody.